So when people talk about hard work, most people don't associate hard work with thinking. Um, I've learned that thinking is actually the more important work because when I'm thinking, things are actually being done for me by some mechanism that I don't yet understand, but it is amazingly predictable and incredibly reliable. And so as long as I'm in that space, sort of writing the source code for what my reality will then be, that's all that I have to do. And once I do that, then I back off and I just go and enjoy my life. I might go for a walk. I might go play with my nephews. I might go uh, spend time with a lover. I might go eat a, a great hamburger. And I know that while I'm doing all those activities, as long as I'm in a non-resistant state, all the things that I've created are coming to me. Wow. And, uh, and that's, that's basically how it works. It's incredible. We stand today. The Business Method with a shout The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs' systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their online and location-independent business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that had built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we are interviewing 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that generate a million dollars or more in annual revenue. There's a growing movement of people building these caliber of businesses and we are getting behind the minds, the logic, and the science of what it takes to build businesses like this. On top of that, we also gather entrepreneurs at events and retreats around the world. This October, we are having our annual event in Thailand. Get shit done live. It's 10 days of high-performance productivity, targeted collaboration, and rapid execution designed for entrepreneurs to get a lot of work done in a little amount of time. Some say it's like 10 months of work in 10 days. There's a magic that happens when brilliant minds come together to push one another towards productive execution. That is exactly what this retreat is about. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That is thebusinessmethod.com. Now, let's jump in today's show. The Business Method. I recently met today's guest on an island in Croatia at the most impressive business conference I had ever been to. It was called Baby Bathwater Institute, and on the island were many of the world's top entrepreneurs, inventors, investors, and thought leaders. A few of them include Jamie Wheel, the co-founder of Flow Genome Project and author of Stealing Fire, Trevor Chapman, who hosts a top five business podcast and got a million downloads in just 45 days, Jack Charles Aloka, one of the world's top neuroscientists, the men that spend the most amount of money on YouTube and Google ads totaling in hundreds of million dollars a month and the marketing genius that took GoPro from 16 million to 600 million. It was an impressive sight. There was also one individual that wasn't as well known, but just as impressive. His name is Jesse Elder, and he is the guest on our show today. Jesse is an entrepreneur, international speaker, and black belt in Taekwondo. He started out building multiple martial arts schools in Texas as a young man, eventually selling them to follow another vision he had to build his own personal brand and become a mindset coach. I've seen a lot of mindset coaches out 
out there, and I can honestly say I think he's one of the best I have ever encountered. Jesse has a way to him that can captivate those that are around him. And after I attended one of his talks, I remember how much in all the audience of incredibly successful entrepreneurs was afterwards. Fortunate for us, Jesse was kind enough to come on the show. And by the way, this is without a doubt one of my favorite interviews. On the show, Jesse talks about mindset in a much different way than I had ever heard. He shares tips on enhancing creativity and the importance of using that creativity in our businesses. He shares about his years teaching martial arts, the importance of understanding what is useful versus what is truth, a powerful four-phase meditation, and he also tells us about his experience fighting in underground fight clubs and being in waking Delta state of mind. Without further ado, you guys, let's welcome Jesse Elder to the show. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Listeners, I am incredibly excited and humbled and actually super excited to welcome a friend to the show that I haven't got on the show yet, um, Jesse Elder. Jesse, how you doing, my friend? So good, Chris. Great to be here, brother. You know, you when you meet somebody for the first time in your life, and you just know you're gonna like that person. When I when I first met you uh, in Croatia, I was like, that guy's cool. And then we we shook hands, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna really like this guy. And uh, every conversation we've had, I've just really enjoyed. And so that's why I was really excited to come on the show or to have you come on the show. And I was going to give you space number 100 for our uh, 100 seven-figure location independent entrepreneurs, but that got filled already, so you get number 99. I, I will take it, man. I will take it. <laughs> 99, and, and we're going to title it 99 Podcasts and a Niching One. That's right. This is for everybody. <laughs> so so, so how, how are you, man? I know you just got off a two-month world tour for presentations and speaking. Like, how are you doing? Yeah, uh, man, I'm 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 so good, dude. This was uh this was such a pure experience, and it was an experiment, like everything that I do. And um, it was 20 cities in seven weeks. It was all North America, actually, Canada, U.S. And improv, freestyle, philosophy, and every night was just magic, man. Everybody just was such a it was just such a cool audience. So great connecting with people, and you know, it's all around this central concept that if. Uh, if life isn't fixed, in other words, if, if your path isn't set already, then you're only limited by your imagination and your courage. Both of those are maybe infinitely upgradable. So if you can continuously upgrade your imagination and you can continuously upgrade your courage, you literally live a life with zero boundaries. Um, and you just it's like tilting the playing field instead of climbing up the mountain to get to the stuff that's at the top. Everything you want's at the bottom, and you're strapped on the world's best snowboard, and you just partner with gravity and go. And that's how that's how life gets to be. I love that concept. I actually use that in my meditations for the past few months since I first heard you talk about that. And I think about me just taking the snowboard down the hill to my goals, just like you mentioned. I'm curious, Jesse. You know, if somebody wants to, you say, increase their creativity. Uh, what does that what does that mean to you? Yeah, that's it's a great question. I I, I do believe that, that creativity is subjective, and so one person's creativity may be another person's prison. You know, that it, it, it may be that uh, one person who's an engineer or who is an accountant or is, has a very linear, logical, or mathematical brain, their creativity is going to look completely different 
than someone who is more right-brained, artistic, uh, loves to be out in, in nature and loves to just kind of surf life. So if you swap those people's lives and put them in each other's shoes for a day, uh, they, they go a little crazy. So I think creativity uh, is a uniquely personal experience. I think it's different for everyone. Um, that being said, I do believe that everybody has some sort of, uh, call it, you know, inner GPS or, or some sort of intuitive signal that's letting us know all the time, are we trending in the right direction for what's right for us, Re- regardless of our, our, our uh, background or our family story or our genetics or, or our uh, you know, political affiliation, if we have one. Those are all external things that uh, don't speak to the core of who the individual is. And I think creativity is coming into contact with that core on a consistent basis, um, trusting what you find there. And then allowing that core to express itself through your behavior, through your preferences, through your, your beliefs and, and your, your uh, way of being in the world. So that might be a sort of nebulous answer, but uh, <laughs> I, think, I think it does look different for everybody. Well put. So on the, the subject of creativity, what are some practices that you do specifically to enhance and increase your creativity? Uh, yeah, I, I have experienced... Um, the best flow of creativity uh, in between really cool experiences. Mm-hmm. And so going, going and, and having lots of different experiences that seem to have nothing to do with one another. And then in the period following that, there's a sort of gestation. And then after that comes this explosion of fresh ideas and insight and, and energy and, uh, and innovation and, and all that, those other delightful things. So it really is, for me, a, a three-step process. Number one is sort of exploring and being out in the world. Um, and that may be geographically, like traveling, or it may be socially. You know, it may be, it may be having conversations with, with uh, somebody who's in between residences, you know, a.k.a. homeless. Um, hmm. And then dropping in with somebody who's, you know, got a nine-figure net worth uh, that night. And noticing the, the parallels between the two. Because uh, there are there are a lot of a lot of parallels, so it might be social um, variety, it might be geographic variety, it might be uh, changing up food, it might be listening to different music, it might be uh, practicing different skills, and um, taking different modes of transportation. You know, I, I I don't like taking the same form of transportation all the time. So a plane on one trip, a train on another, a scooter on another, yeah. walking on another, um, hitchhiking on another, first class on the next. I mean, there's, it's a full spectrum life. And I think that stretching the, the bounds is really important. What if you get, you mentioned like this flow, uh, or flood of creative ideas that are coming to you. Um, if, what if you have too many ideas, how do you, how do you, how do you regulate them and say, yeah. okay, this is what I'm going to work on. This is what I'm not. Yeah. 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 Big one. Um, I, this is so, so simple. I, I was plagued with this for years. Um, especially when I was when I was a little bit younger, and I and I thought every idea had to be born, and if it wasn't, I you know I felt I felt bad, <laughs> and I realized that that um, you know not all ideas are created equal. Some of them are uh, not meant to be brought into the light. Some of them are sort of intellectual fuel for uh, for the other ones. In other words, thinking about one idea creates some some energy with which I'm going to execute on another one. Um, but I found that that by lining all these ideas up and just letting one jump out at me, and it's almost like like talking to the ideas as separate creative entities. 
and line them all up. You know, I'll, I'll make a I'll make a circle on a on a piece of paper, and inside I'll just jot down all the ideas, and I'll just say, you know, which which one of you guys wants to get out? You know, who 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 wants out? Who wants it? How who wants to get <laughs> born? Who wants to get out into the world? And I'll find that that invariably one of them will will uh, rise to the top of my thoughts. Um, will I'll feel a pretty strong pull in my heart or sometimes in my gut, and uh, and that's how I that's how I know. That's how you know. <laughs> When you, do you ever, so I have this challenge sometimes, like I'll get a rush of ideas or I'll get an idea that I know I need to, to just hit it at, just hustle mm -hmm. on that idea. And then, you know, I'll hustle on that idea for two, three months. And then I, not that I get burnt out, but I, after a couple of months, I might start to question myself. Uh, like, mm -hmm. Is this the right ideas it's really working how do i know if it's still working so for example like one thing that we're working really hard on based on being on the island was getting ranked on itunes after seeing trevor's presentation mm -hmm. right so three months out you know i'm i hustled hard for three months on that goal and now um i've seen some good results but not you know, everything I expected and imagined. So now I'm kind of like, should I keep going? You know, what do you do? Mm -hmm. then? Mm -hmm. well, there, yeah, there's a couple of couple of threads there. One is uh, around expectation and uh, the attachment to outcomes. Mm -hmm. And if an idea is good and if it has energy, then it has merit. And um, my observation is that those ideas that have merit um, have merit all the time, not just when they are finalized. It's like, like eating a good meal. You know, you're eating a good meal and you don't say the meal is good after you ate it and your stomach is full and you, you know, you're, you're, you've been satisfied. Mm -hmm. There's, there's anticipation, which is good. There's that first bite, which is good. There's enjoying the meal, which is good. So the process of creating, uh, I think is very similar. There's anticipation, there's experience, and then there's uh, reflection. And so, Sometimes, like in, in this case, if you have a, a, an outcome to be ranked on iTunes in a, in a specific way, um, it, it does help to, to look at what are the, all the other strategic byproducts um, of this entire process. You know, who, how have you grown? Uh, who have you connected with? How have you connected with them? And in what ways has that been mutually beneficial? Um, you know, what are other skills that you've learned along the way? How might those other skills be applicable to other things, uh, either for yourself or for others. Man, you, you spend like two, three minutes riffing uh, on that. And all of a sudden you feel so fulfilled yeah. and so happy with your choice to, to take on this project that the fact that you haven't, you know, hit a certain number becomes irrelevant. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. I was just thinking about that while you were talking about it. Okay, man. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we dove deep into some philosophy and some <laughs> really quick, but um, I want the listeners to get to know you. I was thoroughly impressed on um, your background and all the things that you've done as an entrepreneur and the wisdom that you, wisdom and knowledge that you've gained over the years. I would love just for you to take the mic and share with the listeners how you became the Jesse Elder entrepreneur that you are today. Uh, well, man, I'm, that's a, that's a lot to, yeah, to live, to live I up to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, I don't feel like I've accomplished a lot. I, I feel uh -huh. like I've, I've, I've done the best I can to live, um, the, the life that I'm born to live. And, uh, and, and I don't feel, I don't, 
I feel like a total success, but it's because I'm not because of what I've achieved. It's, it's the quality of life that I enjoy, the, the relationships that I have, um, you know, the quality of my body, my health, my, my enjoyment of life. To me, those are the, those are the wins. Um, but along the way, yeah, there's been, there's been some <laughs> interesting stories, I guess. Can we start? Because uh, I want to <laughs> yeah. talk some martial arts. Can we start, yeah. start in yeah. your martial arts days? Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I, I grew up as a uh, homeschooled kid in South Texas and just took on this massive fascination with martial arts. And as a kid, took my first class and I was nine and was hooked immediately. Um, what just, type? Just, what type of uh, martial art? Uh, at that time, it was taekwondo. Okay. It was my first, my first uh, experience. And I loved it. You know, I loved the, the wearing the uniform and I loved going through the moves and, and uh, making mistakes and figuring it out. And that just, yes, feeling of, you know, ah, I nailed it. Uh, or at least I thought I did. Mm-hmm. And then growing, going, uh, growing up in that environment was really healthy. Um, it, it, was, it gave me a place to focus. It, it helped me to, to occupy my thoughts and, and my mind when there was some other, you know, not so fun stuff that was happening. And by the time I was 15, I was uh, assisting, teaching classes. And by the time I was 17, I told my parents that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And oh, wow. So I, I uh, moved out, got an apartment when I was 17, and just did that. Just started teaching, or continued teaching. And um, by the time, a couple of years later, I guess I was, I was 19, 18, 19, I was sort of uh, hustling for after-school programs, and I was kind of door-knocking, going to these private schools and saying, hey, you know, do you have a martial arts program? Well, let me teach a class. If you like it, then, then we'll, we'll roll it out. So um, I did that, ended up developing a couple of little satellite programs. And along the way was uh, really um, having a, 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 a tough time uh, in life. I mean, I was, I was going through bouts of depression. I was really doubting myself. Um, you know, my, my confidence wasn't that high. And the only place that I felt really good was was uh, teaching class. So as a result, I spent all my time teaching, and basically didn't have a social life. Didn't have uh, never dated very much. Didn't really do do uh, you know I guess all the normal things that you do when you're 19, if there is a normal 19. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just completely immersed myself in teaching. That was that was my uh, that was my life. And I also started competing at that time. I I had done these tournaments a lot growing up, but uh, they were like sport martial arts you know like you know uh, safety equipment and you know you score a point and they stop their the match and they award you the point and then you go back again it's kind of like like playing tag um but i i kept hearing over and over you know growing up doing these little matches i kept hearing people say hey man good fight you know hey man good fight good fight jesse good fight well you hear that a couple hundred times before you're 19 years old and you hear <laughs> enough people tell you a good fight you assume you are a Good fighter. Good fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, and I found out one day uh, that I wasn't. I was at a uh, <laughs> I was at a at a party with a, a young woman that I was interested in, and uh, we went to this party, and there was a guy that was giving me these really dirty looks, and I asked her. I said, "Hey, what's the what's the deal with that guy?" She goes, "Oh, that's that's my boyfriend. He's just you know he's he's grumpy." I'm like, "What? <laughs> Time out. Wait a minute. You have a boyfriend?" She's like, well, you never asked. I'm like, well, fair. Oh, well, you never fair, asked. Fair point. Fair, 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 fair enough. <laughs> so anyway, uh, this I was leaving. I was like, this is this is too much. So I was on my way out. 
and uh, and the guy jumps on me in the middle of the driveway as I'm walking to my car, jumps on me. Next thing you know, I'm a second-degree black belt, and I'm on the ground. My face is being pressed into the pavement, and this guy's just raining punches on me like, wow. like bombs. And I swear, Chris, the first thought in my head was, oh, man, he's going to get disqualified for this. <laughs> By his girlfriend. His girlfriend, she's going to DQ him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking the referee is going to stop the match. You know, this guy yeah. broke the rules. And, I, and then as my head is being just bashed into the pavement, I'm realizing, oh, shit, there is no ref. Nobody's coming to save me. And it was terrifying. Uh, and I realized that, that all my martial arts was, was just worthless. And uh, as as fate would have it, you know, people pulled us apart, kind of stood us up and separated us. And this guy's yelling at me. And I made a decision right then and there that I needed to learn how to fight for real. Mm. Um, and I was going to I was going to do the best I could to salvage this one. So he lunged at me. I, I uh, ended up getting a kick off, uh, kicked him in the head. He fell like a, a sack of flour. And I sprinted to my car, so adrenalized. <laughs> I was like, man, I, I have just failed miserably. So my point of sharing all that is that I, I um, was very fortunate in an early age to come into contact with reality, not theory. Ah. And so I'd heard all these theories, and I'd trained in martial arts. But under the, 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 the test of reality, all those theories fell apart. Right. And as, as I began to, to grow into... Uh, reality, I started looking for ways to, to train and fight that would actually stand up in the ring. And I ended up fighting in these these uh, underground sort of fight club fights. Really? Uh, there was a, a club in, in San Antonio where I lived. There was a club that uh, called Sneakers Nightclub, and they used to roll out the mats on Thursday nights, and they would have fight club. And it was literally no rules, no time limit, no weight limit. Uh, no safety equipment. Wow. Just two guys get in there and, and just fight. And I thought, I have to do this. Um, otherwise, I, I can't teach martial arts anymore and, and be in any sort of integrity. So I trained for those, and I ended up fighting and, and ended up uh, winning quite a bit. I, I won nine matches, uh, lost two of them. And it was a fantastic experience wow. because it taught taught me to not fear reality. And it taught me to adjust myself to reality instead of you know, wishing that reality was different. <laughs> and so that really set the stage for uh, everything else that I've, that I've done in my life, um, to, to experiment, to be open-minded, uh, but always test. And so at the age of 19, I started split-testing uh, paradigms pretty aggressively. And uh, instead of asking what's true, I started to ask what's useful. And that's led to uh, a lot of the philosophies that I, that I practice and that I teach today. That's amazing. I think that's really cool that you, that you have done some underground fighting, and I'd like to uh, expand on that just a little bit because you know you mentioned that you wanted to be in, in integrity with the students that you were teaching, and the reason you did that is you went out to find real fights is so you could actually feel like you were in alignment with that. Could you describe that process a little more? Because here's what I'm thinking that some of the listeners might not understand. Uh, martial arts is an incredible way to grow as a human and create this self-discipline. Now, a lot of people that don't, that are outside the martial art arena, uh, see it as just a brutal, violent sport that causes more violence in the world. 
And those of us that have trained for a while understand that there's much more to that concept, right? And so I'm curious, like, what did you mean exactly when you meant that you needed to follow your integrity or your values in order to find real violent blood sport fights so then you can go back and teach the students and be in alignment with yourself? Yeah, yeah. I I really appreciate you uh, opening the loop there, Chris. I... You know, I'd, I'd grown up as a teenager um, learning traditional martial arts, learning my forms, you know, my, my you know, what, what many people would call katas, you know, learning these patterns and drilling the techniques and, you know, learning the art, which is, which is beautiful. And it's an incredible art to learn to move your body as an instrument is, is amazing. I, I mean, yeah. there's everybody, anybody who does it uh, benefits from it. There's not a person alive that doesn't benefit from that sort of uh, experience. And it's not inherently violent. It is a beautiful art. Um, here's the challenge. The challenge comes when someone mistakenly assumes that practicing an art is going to come in handy uh, when there's a, a, a certain uh, utilitarian need for it. And, you know, I wouldn't, if, if I was stuck in a, uh, you know, on the top of Mount Everest and, a, and, a, and the wind's blowing in, uh, and I, I also happen to love being a painter and I have canvas and brushes. I'm not going to take my canvas and brushes to Everest and assume that because I'm an artist, that art is going to protect me. I'm not going to paint a picture of a tent and hope that that tent will keep me warm. Mm-hmm. Art and utility rarely mix um, the way that most people think they, they should or, or, they, or wish that they would. Martial arts is a beautiful art that may have some practical application. However, the real life uh, environment, the the real life reality of a physical altercation, is it's a hurricane. <laughs> it is chaos. There is nothing logical about it. There is nothing linear. It is absolute um, annihilation. I mean, it's complete and total destruction. And so, if somebody doesn't understand that from the inside out, there's no way that the mind can prepare you for that. And that's what happened to me. You know, I, I was classically trained as a martial artist, and I'd, I'd won a bunch of tournaments, but there was there was very far removed from a fight. And so, in order for me to have integrity as a as a teacher, because people are coming to me to protect themselves, so they can learn to defend themselves, and I realized that I actually don't know how to defend myself. I know how to act like it. I know how to talk like it. I know how to pull it off in the controlled environment of a classroom. But none of those have anything to do with reality. You know, it's, it's like when, 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 you know, sometimes you, you'll hear marketers, uh, not, not real marketers, but you'll hear, you'll hear um, blossoming marketers, people who are, who are getting ready. They're on their way. And you hear them compliment each other. Oh, man, your website looks so great. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> oh, man, I, you know, I read your sales letter. Oh, just the, man, the headline and the dual readership path. And, oh, man, it was just so good. I'm like, no, it's not good because you haven't bought the product. So you're, you're completely unqualified to give advice on this, on this copy, on this sales page. And so there's just a giant difference between admiring the art of something and being able to wield its utility. Mm. And I knew that, that if I'm going to dedicate my life to teaching people how to protect themselves, which is not the only reason uh, that people train, but it's a big one, 
um, if I'm going to teach people, then I have to be able to speak from experience. And uh, I'm, I was just unwilling to pretend that I knew what I was doing, uh, even though this is not uncommon in the martial arts because people go in with a you know, yeah. real respect for their teacher. And who are you to say, you know, hey, I don't, I don't know if you really can, can uh, defend yourself, so I'd like to challenge you. And if you can beat me, then I'll pay you. That's such a rare conversation. <laughs> um, and yet, with the best martial artists, um, like like with you know jujitsu, that's what I love about jujitsu. And I started that's what I started training in to complement my my own uh, approach. Um, there's no question, the the instructor teaching the class is the one that can generally tap everybody else out. Yeah. And the moment that instructor can't tap people out, those people actually leave and they go find a better gym. There is no space for uh for theory that doesn't produce a result and it's uh very very binary and i love it so how do you how do you apply that philosophy in business like jujitsu has this a beautiful way of keeping people humble you're on the mat rolling your first class you're on the mat rolling your last class and it's just based on results so how how do you take those concepts and apply them in the business world and your with your business yeah. Um, well, you know, a lot of my business is, is um, sharing philosophies with people that help people feel better, uh, release tons of trauma, um, get, help people get back into alignment with natural, uh, I'll use the term frequency, that, that natural feeling uh, of rightness for them. And so it is a little bit uh, ethereal. You know, it is a little bit um, nebulous. It's, it's not always easy to measure. But I've learned that it doesn't, uh, it doesn't make sense to just talk about the philosophy and to just talk about feeling good or just talk about being in alignment if it doesn't help people to shift their results, change their behavior, and change the tangible results that they're getting, um, helping them get in better shape measurably, helping them improve their relationships in a way that is, that is visible and that is visceral. Uh, helping them shift their incomes. You know, that's a big, big result that happens. Uh, and, and most of my uh, private clients that I work with are entrepreneurs who are already doing great business, but they know that they can do more. And so, you know, we'll, we'll work together for 90 days. And at the end of 90 days, they're, they're just blown away by what they've created. It's not because I'm so awesome. It's because they've had space to think their best thoughts free from any sort of distraction. And, uh, and for me, that's the application of these philosophies uh, to produce a result. And that's, if, if, the, if, if these philosophies didn't produce results, I would have to stop sharing them, no matter how good they felt, no matter how nice it sounded. If it doesn't end up producing a measurable result, then it's really not, uh, really not worth sharing, in my opinion. So after you were teaching martial arts, you started to open up your own schools. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I opened my first school in uh, in San Antonio. I was tw- uh, 23, 23 years old, and um, that was my life, man. I, I taught probably 60, 50, 60 classes a week. Wow, it's ta- I, taekwondo school. Taekwondo, yeah. 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 I was training jujitsu, but I didn't teach it commercially. Uh, I just I had a, a huge respect for the people that were, you know, brown belts and black belts, and you know, I was a blue belt. I'm not going to open a school. Yeah. Um, and and. Uh, so that, that, that was very – it was a part of my personal training. It wasn't something that we did commercially for a long time. And that school ended up becoming uh, pretty successful. Um, just the classes were great. I loved the students, and the classes were real creative and very high energy. And 
Then I realized that unless I learned how to do sales and marketing, that wasn't going to go very long. So I learned sales and marketing and got some coaching and eventually ended up uh, teaching some of my students how to how to market and how to recruit. And so we'd go out with a stack of guest passes on Saturday afternoon, and we would just approach everybody we could. <laughs> we're in our martial arts uniforms. We're like, hi, have you got one of these yet? Holding out a guest pass. And uh, that also was a great experience. You know, it, it helped to uh, show the illusion of rejection, you know, that nobody can actually reject you. You can only reject yourself. And uh, it actually created the backbone for a lot of the, uh, some of the personal growth curriculum that I, that I teach now. So yeah, we 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 uh, enrolled a lot of students. We uh, taught. We eventually had eight schools and a uh, consulting company where we're teaching people these strategies. And um, yeah, it was doing great. We're we're making making a few million dollars a year. And I had built a you know proverbial four hour work week and was not really doing uh, doing much during the week, which gave me a lot of time to think. And it was then that I realized that I was out of integrity again because I had a vision of doing something different. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it wasn't martial arts. And so uh, by 2012, I had sold all my schools. 2013 was a real year of starting over. And um, it's been just a continual process of, of reinvention ever since. How I'd like to know more, Jesse, about that process of going from you know one career, really, running these martial arts schools, to to knowing and understanding that you needed to leave that and find another path um yeah what was that like for you and and was it difficult to let go of you know because a lot of times our egos attach our self-identities with our work right yeah and, and so yeah. the process of letting go of that self-image yeah it brilliantly said man um it, it was a uh not a comfortable process <laughs> even though I, even though i knew that I'd, I'd reached the, the crest. And it, it was not like I was the most you know, successful guy. I mean, I had, I had great business partners um, and I had mentors and, you know, and many of them were far more successful than I was in terms of the number of schools that they influenced or, or owned, um, the, the amount of money that they were making, the number of students, you know, all the metrics, they were um, far more prolific than I was. But I just knew that, um, you know, that, that the future was changing uh, and I wanted to be a part of it. And so I was, you know, hearing things like singularity and, and I was starting to watch TED Talks and I was, you know, becoming more, more uh, aware of and intrigued by the impact of, of AI and genetics and nanotech and robotics and, you know, all of these new technologies. And, and, uh, and I wanted to be a part of the conversation and it wasn't. You know, I didn't have the space to do that uh, on the mat. You know, that wasn't what people were coming for. That's not what they were, were enrolling for, and that's not what my instructors were trained for. And I just realized that there was there's people that I resonated with more, and those were entrepreneurs, and those were people who were creative and who were doing things you know like me, in the sense that they wanted to reinvent what they were doing. They wanted to create uh, products or create experiences that were completely transformational, totally disruptive. And I knew that that was uh, my role was to support these people and to support them in their thinking and to and to help them to uh, eliminate some of the stress or or eliminate some of the the old paradigms that may be restricting them. And uh, yeah, once I knew, then I couldn't I couldn't unknow. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the next step? What was the next business that you started then? 
Um, yeah, I, I, in 2013, I, I had sold the schools. Uh, and I also, in that exact same six-month period, um, ended up getting separated and then divorced. I'd, I'd been married for 11 years. And as my awareness of the schools uh, and the business was shifting, my awareness of myself and who I had become was shifting. And uh, it became apparent that, that uh, she and I were, were just growing in different directions. And so the uh, relationship ended and 2013 was uh, totally a year of starting over. I, I did make money from the sale of the business, but I also uh, agreed to uh, a, a, an alimony settlement that was, um, I won't use the term generous to me, it just felt like the right thing to do. It was uh, definitely not what, what the law stated I had to do, but that ended up being a, a total, basically the money from the karate schools went to pay for the divorce and I was completely starting over. 2013, uh, there was no business. There was uh, two clients, mm-hmm. one of whom was basically making my car payment and one of whom was helping me pay <laughs> my rent. And, and uh, those, uh, that, that, those were very, very fruitful relationships and, and their businesses thrived. That was the beginning of my uh, coaching, I guess you would call it. And along the way, I, I started making videos, putting them on Facebook and uh, people really seemed to resonate with them. So I started calling them the mind vitamins and would make them with my cell phone whenever I'd get kind of inspired and do, uh, you know, one or two videos a week. And, and, uh, and next thing you know, it, it seems like I had people responding and messaging. And then I started putting together programs, teaching what I had learned from a you know, quarter century or so of martial arts and martial arts business and putting it in a way that, that people could relate to. And, um, you know, since then, have have written a, probably two dozen different training programs from meditation, journaling, um, mindset, uh, purpose, marketing, ethical cult building, <laughs> um, coaching, consulting. There's there's a, a pretty 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 good roster of products in there now. What's your daily routine if you have one? I know you were on the road for two months, and now you're going to be off the grid for the next two months. And what would you say is your stable-ish daily routine if you have one yeah i i, I appreciate the caveat at the end there <laughs> <laughs> i am uh at, at this point i i'm very appreciative to say that uh I, I have an incredible team in place who runs the majority of of the uh day-to-day operations which affords me a tremendous amount of freedom and flexibility uh, I'm also very appreciative that through applying these philosophies and these practices, uh, I've, it seems seems to me that I've been able to make my intuition pretty tactical. So I can uh, meditate and get an idea, take it to the team. They'll go and execute, and and uh, then we'll use the resources from that and the and the relationships that we deepen uh, to to catch the next idea, and then it goes to the next thing. So my day. Uh, is is very much in flow. Sometimes I sleep in. Sometimes I stay up till four o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I'm out for a walk, uh, you know, with a cigar at, at, at two o'clock in the morning, just looking at the stars and thinking. And uh, other times I'm in a uh, nightclub in in uh, Amsterdam, and it's uh, <laughs> a different reality. So I've learned to trust some. There, there's something. There's something that's organizing all of this, and maybe it's our higher selves. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's some coder that coded the universe. Maybe it's aliens. Who knows? I just have observed that when I surrender, and then I show up, 
when I when I surrender to whatever the purpose uh, of of what I'm supposed to create is, uh, and then I show up and I and I do what's required, uh, man, life just continually. Um, is, is very rewarding. So I realized that that, that that doesn't sound like from four o'clock to five o'clock. I do this. It's because I don't, <laughs> I, I really don't. I've, I maintain a roster of three to four amazing clients. So I've got three or four calls a week for, with them. Uh, we have a membership group that, uh, that I do a live uh, video once a week and I just love to teach and I, and I love people. So I just keep my ear to the ground. Uh, I see what people are, are kind of struggling with, uh, find out if there's a, you know, a sincere desire from people to, to uh, shift that, and if there is, and, and if it's in my wheelhouse, I'll put together a training for that. Well, a couple of videos a week, uh, live live training videos. We do a team meeting, and uh, yeah, the rest of the time is is me just kind of enjoying the world. I I like having a simple business so that I can lead an exciting life. Yeah. Um, versus having a really complicated, complex business that uh, doesn't leave much room for anything else. Yeah, I feel the same. Do you have any any favorite? Um meditation styles or versions that you use that kind of that that you'll use more often than others yeah uh, there's actually one that that i do every day uh, almost every day um probably 25 26 days out of any given 30-day period um and it's actually one that that sort of developed as out of my fighting days and then um later on when i was uh teaching all those classes i had to find a way to to get really still and allow my nervous system to regulate, but also combine visualization and uh, and some mental rehearsal of my day, um, while at the same time allowing space for creative ideas to pop in. Hmm. And so I ended up um, sort of tailoring a meditation that is a 20 minute, um, takes, takes about 20 minutes, and it is four phases. Uh, so every five minutes there's a different phase. And, I'm, and I've taught it to thousands of people, people seem to really really like it and it it uh shifts your brain and it, it puts you in a different different state i actually had my my brain uh mapped up when i went to um dave asprey's uh 40 years of zen uh, yeah. up in seattle and uh it was a little little weird man i felt kind of vulnerable because i don't i don't talk about this stuff and i just i know what i know and i know who i am and i know i know how i feel but when the doctor had my brain all mapped up he uh he said, you know, I've done 70,000 brain scans and, and I've seen maybe one or maybe two other brains that look like yours. Wow. Uh, just the amount, of, the amount of delta waves that you're pumping out. Uh, he said you operate in waking delta, which is something like Vishen, actually. Uh, it, uh, when we were in Croatia, Vishen Lakiani and I were, were having a pretty awesome conversation about this. Um, so, so the meditation produces very interesting results. It's 20 minutes. Uh, it does change your brain. You can feel the changes in your body. And weird shit just starts to happen, and that is completely unscientific. Uh, <laughs> I've had some of the more uh, aggressive folks on Facebook, or or maybe they're just bored. They're like, "Where's the peer-reviewed data? Where's the white paper?" I'm, like, I'm a trucker. I ain't got time for this because I'm, I'm busy living a great life. And if you want to test it for yourself, that's great. If you need to, if you need research before you're willing to test something. Uh, which is essentially being still for 20 minutes and listening to an audio. Mm -hmm. uh, no amount of research is probably going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> what are those four phases, Jesse? Yeah, yeah the first phase is uh, simply being present. So mm -hmm. allowing yourself to be still and to uh, close your eyes. And just to whatever thoughts come up, they come up. You know, there's no need to try and change that. That's your brain just doing what the brain does. Um, so you do that for five minutes and it's... If you don't move, 
which a lot of people kind of not miss up, but but uh, a lot of people do shift and kind of twitch and <clears throat> clear their throat, and then they get up and go to the bathroom, and then they close the blinds, and then they you know lower the temperature, and then they put on you know the candles. And then they lay back down and they're like, all right, uh, only 10 minutes to go. Like, no, man, (laughs) you got to just be still. So five minutes of doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Just close your eyes and just breathe. Then the next five minutes, you shift into phase two. And this is active appreciation. And this is where you are sort of uh, time traveling um, backwards. And so you're imagining or you're you're going back to any pleasant experience, uh, anything that you appreciate from the day, from uh, somebody that's in your life. Maybe it's an accomplishment that you experienced. Maybe it's a win that you that you made for yourself. Maybe it's uh, someone else's company that you really enjoyed. Maybe it's somebody that really helped you. Whatever it is that, that feels good to think about, and that's the key. As long as it feels good to think about it, you just think about it, and you do that for five minutes. Now, that sounds pretty cool, and a lot of people would just want to jump straight to that, which is fine. The challenge is until you're present, it is a little harder to access because most people have just so much practice at uh, creating a negative momentum in their life, problem solving, and you know being stressed out. So you can't really get to active appreciation when you're in the middle of trying to fix things. So get, being present first is uh, incredibly useful. So presence, phase one. Phase two is active appreciation. And typically, by the time somebody finishes that second phase, they're actually feeling pretty good because they're, um, you know, their, their stress levels have gone down, their, their breathing and their heartbeat is a little bit more regulated, their nervous system is starting to, to defrag a tiny bit. So your hardware is in better shape. Your mindset, as you're beginning to focus on these, these things that you appreciate, one after another, after another, after another, uh, that feels really good. And then you go into phase three. Phase three is we call it pre-paving uh, or pre-rendering. You're just sort of thinking forward into what you would like to experience. And it might be something as immediate as you know a meeting that afternoon, or it might be something you know that's completely uh, outrageous and some you know sort of fantasy that you that you wouldn't mind seeing brought to life, some sort of impossible goal. Uh, the cool part is it's your own imagination. so you can think about whatever you want. And again, the key is just think about what feels good to think about. Uh, a lot of people, will, and I, I used to do this a lot, think about a big goal, seems big, and then immediately start wondering, well, how am I going to do that? And then they don't know how, and then they don't feel good. Yeah. And then they associate that with, well, I don't like thinking about big goals because it doesn't feel good. No, yeah. think about the big goals feels great. Worrying about how you're going to do it before you get, before it's time that doesn't feel good. So right. we just don't even include strategy um, until it feels good to think about the strategy. You know, like I had a client who uh, we were working on a, on a webinar for him and he would think about the webinar and get stressed. So we thought, well, let's just go to the end, like in the comments, because that's when you know people are like, wow, I really learned from this. And so he just would prepave that part. He would just go and see it, go and see it and just feel really good, really good. And then after a, a couple of times of doing that, he started to notice that he was excited about writing the webinar. He was excited about crafting the, the flow. That's when you begin to prepave it, when it starts to feel good. So you definitely don't force any of it. And, uh, and then the fourth phase is allowing and receiving. And it's kind of like, you know, if you're, if you're sitting with a tennis ball in your hand and you throw the tennis ball up in the air, 
there's nothing you have to do to make it come back down. Um, in fact, you couldn't stop it. That would be a pretty neat trick if you could. You'd throw it up there and freeze it like the Matrix. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. But we live in a pretty predictable universe with very predictable agreements like gravity. So if you throw it up in the air, it's going to fall down. And, uh, and that's very much what this meditation is like. The pre-paving, the, the pre-rendering, is sort of like throwing the ball out there. You're, you're, you're tossing the idea out there. And then you just let it go. And it's not your job to do anything else. Then when you allow and receive, that's when you begin to get ideas, insights. You begin to get uh, information. Many times you'll, you'll see somebody's mind or see somebody's face that, that you uh, would like to connect with. Sometimes you'll get really clear about a decision that you've been putting off. And that last phase is, is really special. And again, it, it comes as a result of the sequence, not by just sitting down and asking for answers. Um, that can happen too, but this this sequence is very carefully designed, and um, the meditation sort of built itself. You know, as I was meditating and, and asking for greater clarity, these pieces started popping in, and and now we've taught this four phase. Uh, we we call it the prime light meditation. It, it really helps you to tap into your whatever that core power is. It's inside of all of us. Helps you to have uh, instant access to it. Cosmic Google. <laughs> do you use that daily jesse uh almost every day there's every once in a while i'll get so busy and caught up and excited with my day that it's 10 o'clock at night i'm like ah shit i didn't meditate today but um usually daily about 25 to 26 days out of the month do you do mornings evenings or just whenever uh, you feel like it it's, uh, just whenever uh yeah. i do typically i like mid-afternoon um you know, two three p.m usually works pretty good for me but it, it is a definitely an individual preference. I've got clients and, and students that have have uh, do it first thing in the morning. Other people that love it uh, in the afternoon. So it's kind of personal personal preference. So you mentioned that you had your brain uh, scanned, and it's the what's the name for the well, guy? Doctor Drew is it? Okay, but the uh, yeah, there's a, it's a huge field of study, man. There's so mm-hmm. much uh, so much amazing stuff and, and cool technology that allows you to test. Yeah. I, I love understanding and working to get into, you know, what everybody calls flow state, but understanding yep. the different brain waves that we have. And for the listeners, you know, we're, we're in regular beta state of mind or beta brain waves on everyday activities, more or less. Mm-hmm. And it's also where we feel a lot of the negative emotions many times. And then we go to, can go to alpha, which is the, the brain waves are slowed down a little bit. And then um, theta, which is slow even more. And so alpha is like a light meditation. Theta is a deep meditation. And then delta, which is even deeper. And they talk about, I've never met anybody that really knows that they experience waking delta. Um, So that's pretty cool. And then they have one one or two that go beyond that. Gamma, uh, which Mm -hmm. is a high intense form of unity um, and operation amongst people working together. And then there's one epsilon, I think, in, but I don't know too much about that epsilon. That's uh, the cool part. Nobody knows too much about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, <laughs> we're we're always on the leading edge, and it's just amazing to see technology developing that we can measure something that's been there all along. So I have to ask you because I'm sure you've experienced, you know, many times all these different states. What what does it mean to be in waking delta and how do you know when you're in waking delta? Um, I've begun to identify it since I uh, realized that that's what was happening, and I had a, a label to put on the experience. 
But um, my my experience of it is that it's a very it's a very abstract um, but very powerful uh, state of, of being. Um, it's it is a place where time really doesn't exist, and it's helped me to understand the total malleability of linear time. Uh, linear time is a, is a, more of an agreement and a, and a, a very useful illusion than it is a, a set reality. So when I'm in those waking delta states, um, I will experience memory and imagination much differently. Uh, I'll experience memory and imagination as very vivid, very tangible um, feelings, sights, uh, ideas, and, it, and it's almost as if, like right now, you and I are on the phone and, and we're having this, this uh, conversation, but you're not here. It, the, your, your energy is being transmitted through this technology, and now we're having this real-time conversation. And so somebody from 100 years ago would think, this guy's just sitting outside talking to himself. This is insane. <laughs> and yet you and I are having a very powerful conversation. Not only you and I are, but however many thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people through a domino effect – are all co-creating this experience. So I had the same relationship with memories and imaginations. I, I don't believe that a memory is in the future. I think that it's a, a caught thought from some parallel uh, now, from some other moment of now. And so it's a very peaceful. It's a very, very nice feeling. But it's uh, I, I don't think that memory and imagination are chemical reactions. I think they were actually signals that we're picking up from elsewhere um, in this reality of which our particular focused consciousness is only one piece. How often are you, do you think at least that you're in, in Delta state of mind? Uh, hmm. the, the, the quick answer is as, as often as I want to be. Um, <laughs> you were going to guesstimate. Yeah, I, I would say it's it's probably five or six hours a week. Okay, how is that different between different between um, regular beta for you and then alpha and theta? Yeah, uh, what I experience in that in that delta space is is much of much much less. Um, there, there's a total absence of need. Like there's nothing that I have to go and do because it's all happening simultaneously. There's, it's, it's all being done. And so it's kind of like, you remember in Minority Report when Tom Cruise is like looking at the big screen and he's like reaching yeah. out and twisting and all this? Um, I, I experienced something like that in Delta. And it's interesting, man, because I've never, I've never talked about this uh, publicly before. But this is how I get stuff done. Yeah. This is, to, me, to me, this is how I work. So when people talk about hard work, most people don't associate hard work with thinking. Um, I've learned that thinking is actually the more important work because when I'm thinking, things are actually being done for me by some mechanism that I don't yet understand, but it is amazingly predictable and incredibly reliable. And so as long as I'm in that space, sort of writing the source code for what my reality will then be, that's all that I have to do. And once I do that, then I back off and I just go and enjoy my life. I might go for a walk. I might go play with my nephews. I might go uh, spend time with a lover. I might go eat uh, a great hamburger. And I know that while I'm doing all those activities, as long as I'm in a non-resistant state, all the things that I've created are coming to me. Wow. And, uh, and that's, that's basically how it works. It's incredible. 
Okay, for the listeners, let's let's talk about this, Jesse. Um, gamma state. Do you know any any times in your life when you've experienced gamma state of mind? Uh, yeah, I've I've experienced it when uh, certainly in in some meditations. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also, I mean, psychedelics can be a way to access that, although they're not particularly necessary. So I, I don't. Uh, there are other people that I um, would suggest talking to, including somebody who's a Baby Bathwater Institute uh, alumni, Dr. Jack Charles Aloka. Uh, he and I are actually working together. He's on faculty for a mastermind group that we're putting together for uh, first quarter 2019. And um, there's not a better person on the planet to talk about uh, altered states with uh, than him. He is he is uh, absolutely on the on the leading edge of that. So. There are different ways of accessing gamma. Um, I've experienced it in some meditation. Um, I have definitely experienced it in uh, in fighting, in, in specifically in, in jujitsu or in grappling. It's such an intense experience. Your brain goes somewhere else. There's a, a total sense of expansion and, and unity, um, and, and and it's it's very uh, seems counterintuitive when you're in the middle of a what other people would call a fight except you and this other person are literally on the same frequency because you've agreed to the same things, you have the same outcome, uh, and so it really is a, a sort of beautiful partnership. I'm learning more and more about gamma because I, I think I experienced it about 10 years ago and in, in actually other times in my life too. But we did this, I went to this men's leadership seminar in Northern California where 100 men had to build basically like two houses and do a bunch of work in 33 hours with basically mm-hmm. no skills at all. So you've seen this on Extreme Home Makeover where people do this, but they're all scared, skilled laborers and we were just a bunch of random hundred dudes. And um, the unity that happened, especially in the last like four hours and two hours and one hours was mind blowing. I mean, it was just incredible. And so wow. when I do events, uh, we do this uh, productivity sprint that's either three days or four days in length where we get these entrepreneurs. And my goal is really to get them as best as possible to that state. I don't, you know, I can't measure that in any way, but I, I want these entrepreneurs to find that unity. So they're co-creating business together in such a rapid way that is just mind blowing. And, um, Love that. yeah. And so that's why I'm, I'm learning more about gamma. Well, all the brain waves really, I used, uh, I'm pretty familiar with, you know, uh, beta and alpha and theta, but learning more about delta and gamma and so forth. You know, when you, you know, go to the club and, and everybody's in just this listening to some really like, I don't know, great, great music. And everybody's yeah. in this unison and just going and going and going. And like, there's, you know, time goes away. You can dance for four hours and it feels like 20 minutes. Right. And uh, is that, do you think that's gamma states or, or where do you think that is on the spectrum? Yeah, that's, it's tough to say. Uh, I, I, I can, I've been experienced moments like that, but I don't know that I would generalize and say that that was, gamma, um, because all the waves are active, uh, to a certain extent all the time. Right. And they're always fluctuating, popping in and out, overlapping. So to, to make it a, you know, a binary thing, like I'm in gamma or I'm not in gamma, um, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I do believe that the elements are there. And, uh, it's also a very intense state, you know, so it's, it's not the kind of thing like that you want to, uh, that I particularly want to spend a lot of time in, um, <laughs> you know, it's like the CrossFit of, of brainwaves. Yeah, well, even more so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
what are you working on these days, buddy? Like, what's some new projects? I know you. I know you just did a twenty city ro- ro- uh, world tour, right? And presenting yeah. in all these cities. So, yep. and then you're going to go on hiatus for a couple of months, right? Um, getting there. I, uh, the next thing right now, uh, as of this conversation, we're uh, gearing up for a twenty one day challenge. And this will take place on Facebook. We have people all around the world that are doing a 21-day experiment to see just how good things can get in 21 days. And uh, it's amazing. This will be our second one. It's amazing to see what happens when people uh, come together in a, in a focused community that has uh, no drama. There's no. There's no. You know, we don't get into the stories of why things suck and all that. That's cool. And there's a lot of other useful groups that, that do that. But this is like, hey, here's here's some powers that you have that you might not be aware of. And we give people an experience of that. People are generally blown away within you know, one video. And then all of a sudden, they're like, holy shit, what can I go create? And then we give them challenges in five areas of their life, their physical energy, uh, their own sense of spiritual connection and, and, uh, and depth, their uh, ability to learn rapidly, their relationship with money so that they can experience more of it flowing in. And then their uh, their influence and their connection with other people, so their relationships and, and their leadership. So we take these five areas, and uh, every couple of days we do another video with some training and some specific challenge, and then people report back in. So they're sharing all their successes. They're asking questions. Uh, I've, I've never seen anything like it. It is unbelievably powerful. And uh, that starts October 1st, so we're, we're gearing up to support everybody for that. And then um, after that, I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be on on the road. I'll probably be on the road during it, actually. But I'll be traveling. I've got some clients that are in uh, Australia, New Zealand, so I'll be going to spend some time with them. And then, really, just reflecting on what uh, is shaping up to be an amazing year in every sense, and uh, just continuing to actively appreciate and continuing to prepave, continuing to receive the downloads of what the next thing is, and. Uh, far as i'm concerned that's plenty good enough for me do you do any any i'm sure you do some type of goal setting but do you have a certain process that you use for for when a, an idea comes to you and you decide okay i'm going to work on this uh how do you implement that goal um yeah i i spend a lot more time focused on the on the vision and the finished picture uh, than i used to i used to really get into the tactics and now i just you know my my role as the the entrepreneur or i won't use the term visionary but um, I just, I see things mm-hmm. <laughs> I see, I see things that would be really fun and powerful and useful and cool. And I just put energy on them un- until the idea is clear. Then when the idea is clear, I communicate it to people that, um, that I think would, would benefit from it, either clients, customers, um, students or my team. And then if it's the team, they go in and, and they work and they build it and we build it together and then I go and experience it. So I don't really have. I mean, I have a sense of, of what might be possible later on, but I'm uh, things are growing so fast right now, and they're growing so. I mean, the audience is growing at, at just sort of this exponential rate, and um, you know, we we just opened the brand page, you know, like eight months ago, and and we're hitting like last month, I think we had 28 million connections, um, all organically. So, I mean, things are just really sort of riding this wave, and I'm very clear that it's not me doing it. I'm I'm riding the wave. I'm the surfer. I'm not the I'm not the ocean. So it seems like the more that I appreciate, and the more that I get out of the way, and the more that I surrender, 
then that gives me more and more opportunities to play and to show up. And uh, so that's that's really my only job right now. I love that, man. I think we're going to wrap up here pretty soon, but I want to ask you, what's one bucket list item that you have that you haven't done yet? Uh, oof. There's a lot. One a juicy lot, uh, one. one. There's juicy a lot one. in that. Yeah, there's a lot in that question. But that term always struck me as odd, the bucket list. <laughs> like it, your, your time frame is like just before you die. So um, not, to, not a lot of urgency there, I guess. <laughs> when are you going to do it? Uh, eventually. Okay. Maybe that's why you haven't done it yet. <laughs> um, but I, let's see, something I haven't done yet that I think it would be good. Yeah, I'm going to, at some point, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a ship and it's going to be uh, a badass uh, mobile, um, just like a hub of, of awesome people coming in and sharing ideas and being out on the open seas and just doing that for a few years, I think would be, uh, would be really a lot of fun. How big is this? Is this a ship or a yacht? Uh, it's a, yeah, no, it's a or seventy-five sailboat. meter. Yeah, it's a, no, it's definitely not a sailboat. Seven, <laughs> seventy-five to to ninety meters, um, you know, about as long as a football field, yeah. and uh, you know, we'll probably have a crew of of uh, twelve to fifteen. Nice. We'll have uh, quarters for for uh, plenty of plenty of friends and cool people to come on board, and uh, permaculture. So there'd be gardening and and uh, probably have scooters on deck because it's a big ass ship. Wow. And, um, like yeah, it. man, just cru- cruise around and, and, uh, maybe get Hollis and Michael to do baby bathwater on board one time. Yeah. Why not? You don't need it. Who needs an Island when you have a, sh- a ship? That's right. <laughs> that's right. So that's, that's, uh, that's on its way. I've already seen it. It's already clear and I don't have any attachment to when it happens. I just know that it's going to. I love that. Jesse, I want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing all your tips and your tricks and your wisdom, man. Every conversation I have, like I said at the beginning, I get excited. (laughs) I I can feel my own vibration like come up when I talk to you, and I love it. Um, So good, man. If the listeners want to reach out and learn more about what you have going on or the 21-Day Challenge, where could they do that at? Yeah, uh, best place is uh, on Facebook or on my website, uh, jessielber.com. Or they can just go search Jesse Elder on Facebook, uh, YouTube, Instagram is Jesse Elder Live, and uh, yeah, would love to to connect with anybody who who this resonates for. Awesome, thanks so much, Jesse. It's been a pleasure. Listeners, we're gonna awesome, wrap up Chris. there. Thank you guys for joining us once again, and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high performance productivity coaching and our annual Get Shit Done live retreat in Thailand. Both are designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to get a lot of work done rapidly. And whether you need some personal coaching while working away at home or a retreat in Thailand where you can get out of your normal routine and surround yourself with other successful entrepreneurs, we have those options for you. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com and we'll see you on the next podcast.